Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. After spending my entire career in the sports sales industry, I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. This podcast is presented by General Sports Worldwide and the Clubhouse. GSW is certainly picking up steam in search, recruiting, training, and consulting. The Clubhouse is a career development platform consisting of monthly webinars, in-depth training vault, job board, mentorship platform, blogs, and a focus on mental health. Be sure to sign up for a free membership at theclubhousecareers.com. In addition, thanks for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. For season three, I'm going to have the privilege of sitting down with industry experts to discuss their career path, three key topics that are current in the industry, three hustle hot seat questions, three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now on to our guests this week. There are many ways to gain valuable experience in the sports and entertainment world, and the key is to take something you learn from every experience and apply it to your day. Our next guest did just that, and I'm excited to share her story. I'm excited to have Carly Knox, President of Business Operations for the Minnesota Lynx of the WNBA. Carly, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Travis. Happy to be here. Carly, very excited to talk about your career, your career and certainly the role you're in now with the Lynx. And, and first, I love this. You two are an Ohio native. You attended uh, Ohio University, received a degree in sports administration, and women's studies. And while there, you played on the women's soccer team as a forward. As you think back to that time, what was a key learning in playing a D1 sport that you still apply to your everyday? Mm. Um, I mean, I think there were many key learnings. Um, so, you know, as you think about barriers that women athletes have to overcome, I think it was all just kind of leading into where I am now in my career, um, as well as what was going on with soccer at the time, which is not very different from what is still going on, especially with like the NWSL and FIFA. And I think everyone's probably pretty familiar with the, the barriers that are going on there from everything from the sexism to the racism to the homophobia. And yeah, things have improved, but we still have a long way to go. So I think my personal experiences, like I'll give an example, a wrestler came up to me um, during our preseason training um, first couple of days and started screaming at me. And I was like, what is happening? He was like, cause of you, we almost lost our wrestling team. And like, obviously started yelling about title nine and um, how dare we have an opportunity to play there that I almost took his scholarship and blah, blah, blah. And so um, talk about misinformed on that front, um, yeah. but all those experiences that you deal with throughout your entire career just informs for me, my passion and kind of fighting the fight for women's athletics and, and really using sport as a vehicle of change to fight for all marginalized groups. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll certainly talk about, you know, kind of utilizing that vehicle of change throughout your entire career. And, you know, post kind of your, your playing days, you, you went on to coach women's soccer at St. Bonaventure University, you know, before then accepting a role with the LPGA tournament and, and ultimately to receive your master's in sports administration and women's studies from Bowling Green State University. And so as, as you're going through a variety of those experiences, as you fast forwarded 20 years from there, what, what did you think you wanted to do as a career? Yeah, so great question. Um, I was positive I was going to be a D1 women's college soccer coach. Um, like soccer is my first love. I adore uh, the women's national team. Um, you know, I did Olympic development and made it all the way to regional camp, which is one step away from national ca team camp. Um, but like that was my first love. Right. But all those things that I just referenced 
um, really were barriers for me as I was very like comfortable and out through college. And, um, you know, a lot of coaches that had previously recruited me and wanted me to come there that were like, Hey, well, when you get into coaching, give me a call. A lot of those opportunities were closed for me because I was very much out and a member of the LGBTQ plus organization. So, um, it actually informed my double masters and my master's thesis, uh, at Bowling Green State University, uh, which dug into how homophobia operates in women's division one collegiate athletics. And then I taught a senior level DEI in sports class there as well. And so I was there for two and a half years and, you know, did that qualitative research study talking to women in all sports, coaches, players, et cetera, across the country as D1 athletes and what they were experiencing. So again, all of this informed my path. Had I not experienced all of these things and seen all these forms of discrimination, I probably would have been following my dream, which was to be coaching. Um, but now, you know, I get to coach my eight-year-old son's soccer team and basketball team. Um, I'm on like season seven of his soccer and uh, <laughs> his first one after COVID uh, this season. So my wife and I are coaching his team and that's pretty awesome and very fulfilling. Yep. It just reminds me of how much I loved coaching. As you say, back in the day, well, you'll post being a Falcon there at BGSU. You, you land a role with the Detroit Shock of the WNBA as the director of sales and marketing. And as you think back to your early times as a leader, what is one thing you know now that you wish you would have known back then leading people? Hmm. Um, that's a really good question. Um, I, I mean, I think to, it, it was hard, uh, we've come a very long way in the WNBA and again, all those same isms affect the WNBA and still to this day. Um, you know, I, I would just say, uh, letting my younger self know that like, this is a fight worth fighting and that you are going to see significant change in your time. Not that there still isn't a ton of work to be done, but, you know, I literally had a phone book thrown on my desk on the first day and was told to sold an astronomical uh, amount uh, for the WNBA, which obviously is a less expensive product and, and has been historically. And, and I just got really creative in, in building relationships and building my business base and was the first one in and, and last one to leave. And I know those kind of days are gone in terms of work-life balance, but I built that book of business. And some of those people, um, you know, are still friends of mine to this day and come out to games, either when we're in Indiana or they'll come out to here um, to see us when we when we came from the Detroit Shock and Pistons. And so, you know, I think just telling my younger self, stay the course and the fight is worth fighting. No, great advice. And and Carly, on your end, both, you know, as you were there in Detroit, both on the business side and the basketball side, you and the team had a lot of success, including on the, the basketball front, winning two championships. How was that overall experience for you? Um, you know, I think life is so fascinating how it plays out. Like I was always a fan of the WNBA, but I thought I wanted to be like in college sports and coaching, like I had just mentioned. Um, but I remember watching uh, the WNBA finals in 2003 with my dad and they had a sold out crowd um, and it was unbelievable uh, with the Detroit shock. And that was their first championship and they went from worst to first. And it was Bill Lambeer's first year coaching the team. And I remember being so incredibly moved to see all those people that were there supporting women's professional athletics. And obviously I'd seen some of those type of crowds like, um, you know, in women's athletics and obviously title nine helped to, to create that, but there is no title nine that protects women's professional sports. So it was an impactful moment for me and really like a huge point, uh, selling point for me to work in the W because I had an opportunity to go work with U.S. soccer in Chicago or go work with the Detroit Shock and Pistons. And, um, you know, at that time, I felt like it was our last great hope for women's team professional athletics in this country. And that's kind of what what drew me there. No, that's awesome. Well, you know, the shock ends up moving to Tulsa. And at that time, you transition over to the Minnesota Lynx. And I guess first, 
Do you ever imagine you'd be in Minnesota some 13 years later? Yeah, I know. This is our 14th season. It's nuts. Um, you know, and my personality is I'm a stayer and I'm loyal to a fall. And I'm so <laughs> incredibly proud of what we built here. Like, obviously, winning four championships in seven years and that incredible dynasty in the history of sports is amazing. But right. I'm more proud of the impact that we've had in the community and our social justice work and that we've been paving this path, you know, long before many of the other uh, professional sports league, both men and women were doing it. It's just at the core of the WNBA and really the core of the Minnesota Lynx. And so I'm just really proud uh, of what we built both on and off the court. Um, and, you know, it, it'll be an interesting day to see what will actually pull me away from the Minnesota Lynx. But yeah. I'm greedy and uh, I'm ready for some more, more uh, rings and some more impact on society as a whole. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And Carly, you guys have certainly made a, made a big splash there in minnesota you know to your point crazy to think gone into the 14th season and you know thinking back to the time you came on board as the business development manager and then was promoted to director of business operations to vp of business operations and just over two years ago to the president of business operations there for the links and what do you feel like you've done on a consistent basis to just continue to get promoted you know over the, the that time you've been there with the organization yeah um so I would say because of the way we're structured very early on, um, I became the interim CEO when our former CEO was dealing with medical and health issues. Um, and so I've essentially been doing the same job for almost my entire tenure here, but it was a matter of like, how are we structuring one of the titles and, and all that good stuff. But I would say I led with my passion and my heart and my ability to build relationships um, and get people to kind of buy in about the greater good and it being bigger than basketball and that you don't have to be a basketball fan to be a fan of the Minnesota Lynx and who we are and our values and our impact on the community. So leading with that, um, I think has been pretty compelling for folks um, and, you know, helping to drive revenue across all of our lines of business. Because uh, obviously that is one of the most impactful things you can do in terms right. of being an activist and supporting women's athletics is driving revenue to actually support the links of the WNBA. No, absolutely. And Carly, I think one of the biggest pieces of advice you, you just landed there was just the passion, right? Whether it be passion for, for the brand, passion for the business, passion for immersing yourself and your team members into the community and, and providing, you know, opportunity. And, you know, that kind of leads to your current role. You, you oversee the day-to-day -day of business operations and including, and I'm probably going to lose my breath, just everything you're, you're focused <laughs> on and doing, but ticketing, logistics, business development, Corporate partnerships, diversity, equity, uh, inclusion, and the liaison between the team and then the WNBA League office as well. And so I know the easy answer is no day is ever the same, but, <laughs> but walk the listeners through kind of a, a day or a week of your life. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, it's it's all over the board, um, you know, staffing up or uh, just about to have four new people start. So hiring staff um, from driving revenue to, you know, supporting our vice president uh, on the corporate side and his entire team going on meetings with them to driving revenue through my own relationships, corporate partner wise, to driving revenue through the president circle and then continuing to expand upon that um, to making sure I'm helping to train our sales staff and getting them in the right direction and, uh, you know, making sure they're eloquent and talking about their why and why are they here and why are they passionate about it and why should people buy from them? Um, and so, you know, like you mentioned, um, I operate as our, our COO and work with all the other COs in the WNBA, as well as Kathy Engelbert, the WNBA commissioner. Um, so helping to oversee also our marketing, our, our PR, our, it's now called community impact team. So 
Uh, anything that links touch, I'm you know helping to oversee that or, or directly oversee that as well. Um, so no day is the same, like you said. Um, I'm sitting here looking at t-shirts um, that we're going to be giving to our president circle members that say believe in women with an MN to represent Minnesota and all four pro slash semi-pro teams in town uh, of women's professional sports teams are on the shirt. And it's about, you know, women supporting women and believing in women's professional athletes. So, you know, it's all over the place, but there's never a dull day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Carly Knox, President of Business Operations for the Minnesota Lynx of the WNBA. And, and Carly, let's get into three hot topics. And, and question one, you've talked about it. We've talked about your career. You've been fortunate to win six championships in the WNBA. Most, most people don't ever have the chance to win one, uh, let alone six. Which one stands out most to you and why? Um. Okay. So I, I always liken them. They're, they're like my children. So I love them all equally, but for for different reasons, if that makes sense. So yeah. obviously my first one in Detroit was amazing. It was the first one to be a part of. I will tell you that I have one uh, uh, from MAC uh, championship ring uh, from Women's College Soccer. And that oh, was so you got seven. Yeah, that one's an itty bitty little ring compared to my WNBA. <laughs> Comparatively, champion. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, clearly I was thinner then because it only fits my pinky now. Um, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean... I think uh, our championship that we actually were able to win here. So in Minnesota, we won two in Atlanta and then we came back here and we actually got to win a championship in Target Center on our own floor. And I remember walking in with Kelly Kroskoff uh, from the Indiana Fever and Pacers and she walked in and she said, holy bleep, when she saw the size of our crowd. And it was like an emotional experience where I walked in and the screaming, it was like deafening. And all those people were there supporting women's athletics and got it, you yeah. know, and that we yeah. helped to build that. It just kind of landed. Supported the team. And like, it was an emotional experience. You know, I teared up and I was like, this is why we do what we do. And, yeah. and you know, we're making history here. Right. Um, so I would say that one. And then. Our last one in 2017, um, it was quite the quite the challenge because we were relocated to Excel Energy Center where the Minnesota Wild play. And so taking our, as I call it, the circus on the road <laughs> is a challenge in and of itself. Uh, and then to find out that we couldn't play playoffs there because of wild preseason and that I had to find another venue. So then we go over to University of Minnesota in a building that was built in the 1920s that wasn't air conditioned. And I, uh, you know, had to uh, then get my class CHVAC license. So I know everything about air handlers, <laughs> EFMs, 
Um, and working. You should put that on your on your job title. I know. I should. I should. (laughs) I can can put air conditioning in your home now uh, after that experience. But you know, like going through that and working with a company called the Greco, and what a massive undertaking that was. And to end up winning a championship at Williams Arena in a sold out uh, stadium. And it, like you talk about, Daphne, it was so loud and it's such an old building there. And like it was, it was unbelievable. So, you know, I think those would, if I love them all equally, they're all my children. Of course, of course. (laughs) Those would be my two favorites because of all the obstacles and everything that stood in our way of winning a championship, we somehow found a way to win that fourth championship and again, make history again, despite all the obstacles and, and barriers that were awesome. in our way. Amazing experiences. And question two, and we talked a little bit about this, but during your time at the links, you created, and, and you'll probably, this is probably one of your, 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 your kind of children as well. Yeah. Is you <laughs> run one of the most exclusive and innovative programs in professional sports, the president's circle. And I know my time at the, the league office and even in the W I spent a lot of time presenting on this. And a lot of teams I know have, have peppered with you. It And for those listeners that don't know, it's an elite club that offers members kind of that unparalleled access to not only the team, to the community and giving back and helping make the world a better place. And what is for you from your end, that one key driver behind the creation and execution of this club? Yeah. You know, just to give you a little bit of background on that, Laurel Ritchie. So two WNBA commissioners ago, um, I'm still incredibly close with her and I loved uh, her passion with which she spoke about the WNBA. Like she's a wonderful friend and, and mentor. She tried to create something like this at the league level and it was cost prohibitive for WNBA fans to fly into New York for events. So I started thinking about, okay, how can we do a version of this? It would create a third line of revenue for us, but you know, really it was this unprecedented access to our players, our owners, the WNBA commissioner, um, you know, our coaching staff, our staff in general, um, you know, for folks that align values wise with us in terms of using sport as a vehicle of change, but also wanted to use this as a creative way to give back to the community. Um, and, you know, it has just grown exponentially every single year. It's a best practice, like you said, at, you know, across the league, but also in pro sports and, you know, get calls from every other pro sports team, um, you know, uh, league, I should say, um, throughout the country, whether it's NHL or Major League Baseball or MLS or um, even got a call from an NFL team. But like what we have that's so unique is at the core of what we were doing, um, really kind of fighting for all marginalized groups. And it's so authentic amongst our players, our coaches, our staff. Everybody is bought in value wise. And the type of members, I mean, it's everybody from, you know, large companies, organizations, um, UBS, Maryland, Bank of America, law firms, women business owners, Lindsay Whalen, who played for us, who's the coach for the Gophers, she's a part of it. We have a congresswoman, um, Cheryl Green runs a human rights campaign out of DC, welcoming schools program. Like it's a really impactful group of people um, to really just passionate fans. And it's a beautiful thing when they all come together to see the work that they do amongst each other, but also in the community as well. And so um, it's been awesome. It is a baby of mine. I'm super proud of it. Um, and all of the members and their continued support. And, you know, I would say majority of them are signed up for multi years at a time. And then we give them unbelievable experiences. Like we just had the national team here and um, they got to do a closed practice viewing and see the best players in the world get up and down in our practice facility. So that was pretty special. Yeah. This is, you can't buy that. So that's an amazing experience. And, and, and obviously to a big part of that is giving back to the community, uh, which is great. And, and Carly question three, in addition to the president's circle, you are very involved in that nonprofit world, being on boards and foundations. What's your advice to listeners on being willing to give back? 
you know, this is something I preach uh, about all the time when I'm going out and speaking or, uh, you know, in the community or talking with my staff is like figuring out, you know, A, how you want to show up in the community and what your personal brand is. And not only is it about doing good uh, and and representing your values in the community, but it's also a good business. Um, and so, you know, I am on the board and uh, the executive board and the chair of the development committee for the Anne Bancroft Foundation. And if you don't know her, she's amazing. She's a world-renowned Arctic explorer and a woman in a very male-dominated field. And her stories are unbelievable and she's incredibly inspiring. But ever since we moved here, we've been involved in donating. And then over the last handful of years, I've really gotten involved in, you know, kind of the leadership and, and board work. And it's just incredibly inspiring work and aligns value-wise with what we do here. And we give grants to uh, girls to pursue their dreams. And that can be anything from sports to science, to music, to arts, to um, environmental studies. And it's, we say we're um, many girls first, yes, that wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to pursue their dreams. Um, And so it's just feel good work. Um, Also was involved in Women's Final Four Committee, um, the Bush Foundation and and a fellowship grant selection committee, um, and so on and so forth. So I just think, it's about doing good work. Um, and then like, what is your brand in the community? And so I'm constantly challenging my staff to figure out like, where do you want to make an impact? And oh, by the way, the relationships you make are amazing. And those people want to help you and support what you care about as well. Yeah, it goes both ways. Well, well, Carly, such a great career, fun journey, fun experiences, like we kicked it off. And so as you think back, if you had to pick one, what was your best memory of your career thus far? Mm. Oh my gosh, that is so a best memory. Okay, Um, so obviously winning championships is amazing and I'm so proud of those. But, you know, I'll I'll tell two quick little stories because I can't pick between the two of them. But when the shootings happened here and in Louisiana in 2016, we were the first team in all of pro sports, college sports, school sports, men's, women's, boys, girls, to use our platform in the way that we did. So Colin Kaepernick was, you know, obviously as an individual uh, kind of using his platform, but we were united um, and we created a platform called Change Starts With Us. And we were the first team in all sports to wear Black Lives Matter on our warm-up shirts. Um, Obviously became national news. And I think most people know the story, the police walked out. Um, But I was in that moment and watching our team at the press conference and take a stand and be like, enough is enough. And we need to hold our accountable. We need to hold our community accountable and have these uncomfortable conversations. I was so proud. It's why I do what I do. Um, So, you know, there's that moment um, that like I was absolutely blown away by. And it just reminds me of why I do what I do. And then also after we won in 2017, uh, we were not invited to the White House in 2018 by Trump. Um, So what we did is we said, well, we don't need him to do what we do in Washington, D.C. to celebrate our championship. And um, we went to D.C. We went to an underserved school. We partnered with Samaritan's Feet, uh, with the entire team, players, coaches, staff, et cetera. Um, And we went in and we had this amazing, uh, really inspiring assembly with these underserved youth um, and had this time where we mentored them. We actually washed their feet. We put new socks and um, I was able to get Air Jordan and Nike to donate Air Jordan shoes for every kid in the school as well as socks. 
Um, and then we put them on their feet and then we went outside, did a clinic, and then we came back in and essentially did what we did uh, at the White House in the past. And so we're one of the few states that have two women senators. And so had Senator Klobuchar there, um, Senator Tina Smith there, and then a ton of Congress people, um, and then had the Congressional Black Caucus there, NFL Players Union was there, Human Rights Campaign, I mean, tons of people, like all the major news channels. And um, in that moment, like thinking about the impact we had, despite this adversity of not being invited to the White House to celebrate our championship, again, it just reminds you of why you do what you do and like how much bigger it is in basketball. And yeah. Amazing experiences. Well, Carly, ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey, both personally and professionally. So to close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? <laughs> I'm ready. Let's go. All right. If you could have any actress play you in a movie, who would it be? Okay. So I was thinking about this recently, and I remember um, shortly after high school, some of my best friends from high school randomly were having dinner, and we all said who we thought each other, like the actress that would play each one of us. And they said Natalie Portman had to play me. So, because I was like, I don't know what actress would play me, but they said Natalie Portman. And it's really cool how passionate she's become about soccer and uh, with Angel City FC now as well. So it comes together to to see a full circle there. Yeah. What's a clothing style trend that you would love to bring back? Oh my gosh. That's what I was like. I have no idea. Um, I have no idea because lots of them have come back. I was going to say, they all come to full circle anyway. That I don't love. (laughs) That I'm like, how are these back? Like turtleneck sweaters. I'm like, how are they back? And my staff is wearing them. They're like, they're so in and so cool. I'm like, are they? Yeah. Um, So it's definitely like, I feel like I'm getting to become an old lady now because as trends are recycled, I'm like, are we sure these should be back? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to wear them back when I was growing up, but now they're back. Yeah, yeah they, they are back in a, a big way. And that's just, you know, part of how life works. But yep. I'm not sure anyone that I can think of that I really want to come back. <laughs> All right. Makes sense. If you hosted a late night talk show, who would be your first guest? Mm. Um. So growing up, I always loved Brandi Chastain, who played for the national team. And this is long before everything happened with her winning, uh, you know, with her winning shot in the 1999 Women's World Cup. Um, she actually played forward like I played forward um, and ended up being cut in 2005 from the women's national team and then worked her rear end off to get back on the national team and she became a defender and obviously everybody knows her um, you know kind of famous name now in terms of what happened with her career and how it took off but I always loved her tenacity of like to take that moment of being cut from the national team and have your heart broken like that and to work so hard to get back in a totally different position and then be like the star of the 1999 women's world cup. Um, you know, I think it would be awesome to have her on first, but that's a hard question. I mean, yeah. I have politicians I'd want so on you can have a ton artists. of people. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. what you should. You start a talk show. You've got all these guests lined up. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. And all my free time. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. Exactly. Well, <laughs> to close it out, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? You follow your passion. Like, you know, don't waste time on something you're not passionate about. Um, And then, you know, put the work in, like how much work you put in is how much you're going to get out of it. So especially early on in your career, as you build your account base, um, you know, your relationships, your impact on the community, all of that is you're building for your future, right? And it's like you're the CEO of your own company. Um, And then also specifically for folks that are in this field, thinking about how every relationship 
doesn't stop at one type of sale or one type of product that, you know, I always talk about the money tree and how every single relationship has multiple ways with which to interact and engage and find the right fit for that client. And so, you know, get to know people. What are they passionate about? You know, where do the kids go to school? What nonprofits are they involved in? What what sports, you know, teams are they involved in? Um, and all that good stuff. And you can figure out so many different ways uh, to interact with people and essentially drive revenue as well from there and, and build your relationship overall. Carly, this is awesome. Thank you so much. What a great career. Certainly a pleasure talking to you. And I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Travis. And hopefully we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Well, again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.